It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Their premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Monday morning, halfway through the month of May. And as we end or near the end of the month of May, that means the SEC baseball tournament not too far away. And unfortunately for the South Carolina baseball team, it was another trip on the road and another series loss against the Arkansas Razorbacks this weekend. On the bright side, you did win one of those games on Saturday to at least end the losing streak, but the rough patch for South Carolina continues, and according to the latest D1 baseball rankings this morning, South Carolina has now dropped outside of the top 10. I mean, this one, I'll say, did feel a little bit different for me than the week before, and you know, it felt much more competitive. Not, you know, not that Gamecock fans are happy with the result by any means but you know I, I thought there were some encouraging signs you know you look at what Eli Jones did every time they've sort of turned to Eli Jones at a starting role it feels like he has stepped up I, I thought he was outstanding on, on Friday and, and really probably deserved uh, you know to get to win the game or at least uh, put South Carolina in a position to, to go win the game so I, I thought you know, there was really not much positive at all to take from that Kentucky series, getting swept, um, you know, just not very competitive games for the most part. This felt to me, and I, you know, I'd be curious to see what fans think, but this felt to me more like, okay, this is the SEC. You're playing great teams. You're playing another team that is, you know, top five on the road. That's only the, the, the one win for South Carolina in the series was only the second 
home loss for Arkansas in SEC play this year. Incredible environment. And, you know, it just kind of felt like a better team won at their place. So for for me, I, I actually, as weird as it is, because Carolina did not have a good week overall, if you look at that number, losing the midweek, then losing two out of three. But I felt like there was something to build from. Now they've got to beat Charlotte in the midweek this week. And then they got to find a way to pack Founders Park this weekend and put themselves in a position to win two out of three. I have a lot of thoughts. The I have a big picture one, but when you look back at this weekend, I think looking at it through the lens of what has, else has happened lately kind of colors what you may think of this series because if South Carolina had, say, not gotten swept by Kentucky or they have won the Auburn series or they had won the Kentucky series, you would kind of look at it exactly how you said, Wes, is, okay, you you went on the road at a place that's a beautiful park, it's always packed, and you lost to a team that's really, really good and it was very competitive, and you would kind of just chalk it up as a, that was a tough weekend, but you played a really good team and lost. Instead, what you have is the other things that have happened. You did lose the series to Auburn at home. You did get swept by Kentucky. You've had have had some struggles really since the start of the Auburn series. It's kind of things have flipped. And it's been, yes, there's been some injuries, but things have also come back down to earth a little bit. You're starting pitching that was so good all year. Um, started kind of letting you down. Some guys got banged up. Some hitters have kind of come back to earth who'd been really hot all year. Ethan Petrie has come back down to earth a little bit, understandably. And so when you look at it like that, it, it has a little bit of a different feel, different vibe, and you can look at it differently than, oh, you just lost a series to a top five team. But it did, I think that was a great point, Wes, it did. You can also fall victim to overreacting to it because Arkansas is so good. You can You can also kind of let what else has happened lately color it to the point where you go, well, the season is lost now. It's a complete disaster. And this team was a lot more competitive. You know, Friday's game was very close. Saturday you win. Then yesterday's game, you know, you look up, you check the score. I think in the third inning, fourth inning, it's, it's all knotted up at one. You have one bad inning, and then you end up losing the game. So um, it was competitive. It could have gone either way. I think last week, Wes, you said you needed to get one. And they did that. You know, how how big will that end up being? I think it really depends on what this team does the rest of the season and also what these other teams do. Well, and don't, don't look now, but that Auburn team that came in here and we were all sort of, I guess, um, talking very badly about that series loss <laughs> for South Carolina, they're now 14-13 and 13 in SEC play as well. So you look, I mean, you've got, you got, I mean, Florida, Vandy, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee in the East all have 14 or more wins. And then Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, and Alabama have, all have 13 or more wins um, in the West. And, uh, of course, Auburn now 14 and 13 has a over 500 record in league play. So I, I think some of this is just, I mean, this is a league you're going to beat up on each other. The, the team, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. The team that is now leading the East, or at least tied for the lead league in the East as far as conference record. Florida is a team South Carolina swept all three games 
here in Columbia. Florida's 17-9. and They've got the best record in the East. So, I mean, yes, there are still issues. Carolina's got to keep pushing. They, this is a massive weekend. I, I think it goes back to getting yourself, building that cushion to start with to when you knew the inevitable sort of slump would come. Some of it has been because of injuries. Some of it has just been your your typical baseball slump and playing good teams. And so now it kind of, to me, it kind of all comes down to one weekend and you can still be a host, you know, a regional host if Carolina has a good week and their record right now still tw- as, as much as has happened the last three weeks, South Carolina is 25 and four at home, which if you look around the league, that is still, one of, if not the best. Uh, so Arkansas is 30-4 and four overall at home. But Carolina has the best record at home other than Arkansas. So I think if you look at the importance of this weekend and the importance of being that host, that regional host, putting yourself in a position where somebody else has to come here, has to deal with Founders Park crowd, and has to beat you on your home turf in order to advance, then it... I mean, the entire season, to me, kind of rides on if you're that host seed or if you're a two having to travel. And for as you know, good as South Carolina is at home, we obviously know Tennessee is just as bad on the road, 2-11 and 11 on the season. They are coming off of a series win this weekend. I think they played Kentucky. They did end up losing yesterday's game 10-0, uh, to nothing, though. So very important series, obviously, coming up this weekend. And from a pitching standpoint, we obviously know going into the weekend that they changed the rotation around with Jones on Friday TBA on Saturday because you didn't know how they were going to have to use Mahoney and then Becker getting the start on Sunday. And despite losing two of three, like Wes said, you feel very good about your pitching coming away from this. What the rotation's going to look like this weekend, we don't know yet because obviously we don't know what the deal with, is uh, with Will Sanders and his lower body injury. But I imagine given how up and down his season has been, even if he is healthy, he would most likely want to go with Jones again, right? I, I don't know if I'd change a thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the one thing I probably was surprised about or possibly would have changed no i wouldn't this week because of how things played out this past week but i thought they had the perfect scenario like we were talking about i would have been tempted to go mahoney at off the out of the pen when they took out eli jones on friday and just kind of go all in on winning that friday game and and the way it played out i sort of went to bed friday thinking the same thing like man I would have just gone with Mahoney there. Now, if they'd have played it out the way I said, you're not guaranteed you're going to win the game. And you're in a situation where, obviously, you wouldn't have had Mahoney to go do what he did on Saturday. So who knows how it would have played out. I think that as as much depth as they have had in this pitching staff for most of the year, it's kind of been whittled away a little bit in terms of some guys being hurt and some guys not pitching quite to the standard they're going to need to for Carolina to make a run, I think. And so we'll see how they play it. I mean, apparently all they needed to do was just tell Jack Mahoney, hey, you might not be starting. We might be taking your spot away from you. And he stepped up and pitched the the best I've probably ever seen him against a really, really good team. So, you know, if, if, they, get, if they get that Eli Jones and that Jack Mahoney, then they're going to have a shot. But I think you're going to need those guys in the bullpen to kind of get back to to what they did for most of the year to this point. 
Are you surprised that we didn't see maybe a little bit more James Hicks throughout the weekend? I am, but um, then you know he he didn't he had a he, day to forget. He had Sunday, a day for so. he had a day for, to forget. Just like earlier, you know, obviously with what Mahoney did in his start and Eli Jones, you know. So I think that's just you probably felt. Again, the pitching wasn't really the problem. I, I, I walked away like if you were just kind of looking at the box score, the stats, and and you just said, "Hey, James Hicks was only involved for two point one." You know, he did give up though, as you said, Wes. He gave up four hits. Uh, he gave up a an earned run. He gave up the homer. Didn't have a great day, and the pitching didn't really seem like the issue. I mean, if you had walked away from this series and you didn't know if South Carolina had won or lost, and you just gave the run totals for Arkansas you would have been like, that is about as good as you can get. You know, that uh, almost would have been a dream scenario, especially with the questions going in for the pitching. Rather, it's been the hitting, really, this weekend, you know, was, I think, an even bigger issue. But the big picture thing I wanted to get to also, guys, Wes, you, you hit on it a little bit with the importance of this Tennessee series. But now if you just look around the league, I know you kind of went through the tables a minute ago, the East and the West, West and it's just it's really just turned into this meat grinder in the SEC, which it is every year. But but now that we're getting towards the end of regular season play before the SEC tournament, you're really starting to see that manifest itself. So LSU, all of a sudden, one of the best teams in the country. At times they've been the number one team in the country. They have now lost consecutive series to Auburn, and then they lost at home to Mississippi State. Um. They got run ruled twice, once by Auburn, once by Mississippi State in those series, and then they lost in Game Three. Actually, I'm sorry, they run. They actually run ruled Mississippi State. Auburn run ruled them. They run ruled Mississippi State in Game One. Then they lose Game Two, and then they lost in ten in extras uh, to lose that series. And now they've got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series against Georgia, which is not maybe one of the better teams in the conference, but very dangerous. They swept Arkansas earlier this season. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw when LSU was here earlier, and yeah, I know you can't you can't go back and you can't replay something, but we knew at the time that missed opportunity for South Carolina to take two from yeah. LSU and then send them out of town with a 2-0 series win and just say, all right, guys, you can leave now. Um, instead it being 1-1 and not playing that third game. You knew at the time, like I think in the back of everyone's heads, you were going, that could come back to hurt. And now you're looking at it, one more win over you know, a, a top 10 team, top 5 team, would have been just uh, astronomical at this point. But I, I think even then, with LSU coming in, number one team in the country, you saw there were some holes in this team as well. And for me, it's once you get past, you know, Paul Skeens, who is incredible, LSU may have the number one and two guy in the draft this year, which I don't think has ever happened from what I read. But once you sort of get past their superstars, LSU has some pitching depth issues of their own. So I really, it's kind of interesting because the SEC itself is absolutely loaded. But I also don't know if there's that one team that is just absolutely better than everybody else either so that that really makes for what uh you know can just be a a complete grind and you know if you're south carolina you just got to find a way to reset 
and get into this weekend and, and play well at home. If, if you're the fans, you can affect this this week. Look at, look at the, honestly, the atmosphere at Arkansas. Like, that's special. And Carolina obviously has a great atmosphere, too. They wouldn't have only lost four games at home this year. But that was an incredible atmosphere from Arkansas. Gamecock fans, I would encourage you not to be upset about the last three weeks and realize you can, like, sit at home, sit on your hands and (laughs) pout about it, or you can affect. If if we had told everybody before the season started without having any context on how it plays out, hey, guys, you can go into this final week with a chance to finish the year, you know, with an above 500 record in SEC play um, and a chance to be a regional host with a home game, take two out of three from Tennessee, and you're probably going to be that. Everybody in this town would have signed for that. No, absolutely. And, yeah, it's going to be vitally important to have a great atmosphere this weekend. Out of Founders Park, they do have to get through Charlotte tomorrow first. A first pitch for that game coming up at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage can be heard at 7.15 right here on 107.5. The game that is a Charlotte team that did beat the Gamecocks earlier this year up at the Knight Stadium in Charlotte. Come back on the other side, and uh, we have another recruit that's recru- that has released a top five. Is South Carolina a part of it? We'll talk about it next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. It is Monday, and you guys know what that means. It is Meatball Monday at Firehouse Subs. Hit up that rapid rescue, firehousesubs.com. Hit up the Firehouse Subs app. Whichever way you like to order, you can order a seven, for seven ninety nine a medium sub for the sub of the day every single day of the week from your local Firehouse Subs. There's a Firehouse Subs near you pretty much wherever you are in the Midlands. Our friend Larry Chandler, who is the supporter and main presenting sponsor of this show, make sure that you're near one at all times. So go order, again, firehousesubs.com, Firehouse Subs app, Meatball Monday, add pepperoni. That's the best way to have it. We'll be right back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you on this Monday morning. Over the weekend, Keelan Adams, the four-star wide receiver prospect out of Virginia Beach, released his top five, announced he's going to be committing on July the 13th. That top five includes Ohio State, Pitt, Alabama, Virginia Tech, and yes, South Carolina as well. And this would obviously be another huge get for the class of 2024. Yeah, I think this is a guy, honestly, that we haven't really been tracking a ton. You know, offers go out all the time, and and guys maybe tweet out, hey, South Carolina offered. But really, when you do what we do, you're kind of trying to figure out, all right, who among these, what, hundreds of offers are are the ones where there's true mutual interest? And, Chris, I don't know if we – I don't know if there necessarily was mutual interest at the beginning and – this is the situation of just sort of working your connections, and there's a connection here where Juice Wells and um, and Adams have a mutual trainer, and it was kind of one of those things where it was like, all right, 
hey, man, you know, you should check out South Carolina. You might like what you see. Much like we see with out-of-state guys who have never been to Columbia, never been to campus, never checked out the facilities. We see this often. They take one visit, and they're kind of uh, a little bit blown away because they didn't really know what to expect. So that was the case. He visited, puts out a new top five, has South Carolina in it, has really shifted kind of outside of just with South Carolina. His entire recruitment has kind of shifted quite a bit since the last time he put out a top group. But I'm telling you, I I mean, Chris, I think there's reason to believe South Carolina has gone from like not even in the mix at all to like firmly in this conversation. It's not one of those things we talk about it all the time where you have like a top five where maybe four of the schools aren't even actual factors. (laughs) You know, I I think South Carolina is an actual factor here. Yeah. And did kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. I mean, the, the offer from South Carolina originally went out December 2021 so quite a while back and you know he's always someone that we kind of knew about just didn't really have a reason to track him you know hadn't hadn't heard anything about him being on campus wasn't ever someone that was identified to us as kind of hey hey watch out for this guy you know he might visit at some point or there's a little bit of traction with this guy um it just kind of happens where he that's not a throw in because the school isn't going to bring you in. So, have you have you watched this kid, Wes? He's uh he's pretty good. I have I have not dove into the film yet. No film room from Wes. I dove into it a little bit. And um, what's your scouting report? So his team went undefeated last season. And one of the things that stands out, I mean, he had over a thousand yards. He had a thousand and thirty yards to be exact last season on 41 catches, 16 touchdowns. So um, he's got pretty good size, but he can run. He's got good ball skills, really good after the catch, has some speed. So I I think this would be a great get, you know, because you look at, you know, you look at the receiver prospects in this class, and I think you try to kind of identify, you know, who are the guys, because obviously you have Maisie Bennett committed. You're going after Jonathan Paler from North Carolina. There's some others in there, but I think you've kind of been looking around going, okay, who are, who are the, some of the other guys that they're really going to have a chance to, who do they have traction with? Will somebody emerge? And clearly, Keelan Adams has now emerged as, as a big target and I think would be an excellent get. And I think South Carolina is now firmly in the game here. Well, I think if you sort of start to look ahead, and that's what recruiting is about, kind of looking ahead to the, you know, kind of your roster a year from now, two years from now. And I look at wide receiver for 2023, for this season, and you feel pretty good about what they have. And then I think if you start to look ahead, though, they actually do have quite a bit of playing time to sell at that position because, you know, this is going to be Juice Wells last year. Xavier Leggett, senior. Marion Brown, senior. Um Eddie Lewis comes in as a transfer. This is his last year of eligibility. So, really, they they kind of have to start to look at who's going to be next in line. And, yes, they have some guys on campus already. They're going to get their opportunities. But if I'm a big-time freshman coming in, I'm looking at this receiver room, and I'm saying, man, there's a lot of production that I could take over if I come in and and do what I'm supposed to do and play well and all those things that takes all the things that it takes to go be a guy. But you have to have 
that opportunity first, right? And Carolina, looking ahead to 2024, if you're a recruit, that opportunity will be there. So Mazio Bennett, you know, Keelan Adams, Jonathan Paler, you know, if, if that's kind of your trio of freshman kind of high school receivers, then I think, A, you feel pretty good about that if you're South Carolina. B, if you're one of those guys, you feel pretty good about coming in and earning some playing time right away. And, you know, looking ahead, I'm not so sure South Carolina probably doesn't look around and say, man, we need to go get another portal wide receiver yeah. for 24 as well because that's the way things operate these days. But um, as far as SEC freshman opportunities, probably not very many situations that would be better looking than South Carolina if you're a big-time wide receiver target. And a couple other guys to watch in the 24 class. You know, you mentioned Bennett, who's committed. You mentioned Jonathan Paler out of North Carolina. Zion Reagans from Georgia. He's some. He's someone that, um, you know, the latest intel there, Wes, is that Georgia probably um, has a really good shot if they push for him out of Jones County in Gray, Georgia. But he's someone that has spoken very highly of South Carolina before. Four-star receiver Zion Reagans out of Georgia. Um, and then another one to watch is um, Parker Livingston from Texas. Another four-star wide receiver. More in the top, you know, 350 range, so kind of on the back end. Different type of receiver than Adams. Different type of receiver than Zion Reagans or Paler Mazio Bennett because he's a bigger guy. 6'3", 175. And he's from Texas. He's got an official to Texas, to LSU, but also one to South Carolina. So there's a few irons in the fire now for this receiver class as we head into the summer. Wes mentioned the transfer portal just a moment ago. We will talk the latest on transfer portal running back Logan Diggs on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. 107.5 The Game. Hey, any parents out there like me, you know that you would do anything for your kids, and that is why it is so important to protect them with life insurance from State Farm. State Farm agent Amy Mason Cup can help you and your family make it easy and affordable to protect your children and the rest of your family, no matter what the future holds, because for the people you do anything for, life insurance could mean everything. So call State Farm agent Amy Mason Cup in the Midlands today. 803-772-5554 or visit her website amymasoncup.com Amy is a South Carolina native and a local agent. She and her team can give you a personalized quote on your life insurance to meet your needs and help you save. Again, that's Amy Mason Cup State Farm. Her office is at 612 St. Andrews Road Suite 4 in Columbia. That's just off I-26 at St. Andrews and Ashland Park Plaza. Amy Mason Cup, 803-772-5554 or amymasoncup.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit more about Logan Diggs on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you. We obviously had Jatias Gear commit to the Gamecocks out of the transfer portal the other day. 
from Syracuse at that edge position, adding a little bit of depth there. The other position that is in desperate need of a little bit of depth is obviously running back as well. And the name that we've been following for these past couple weeks since entering the transfer portal is Logan Diggs, the now former Notre Dame running back who is on the Gamecocks radar to potentially bring in here. But one of the schools they are going to have to fight with him for is LSU and Diggs and his mother routed LSU this weekend on his uh, official visit. Yeah, that's a guy we've been tracking now for, I guess, a couple of weeks. And this was what was anticipated, was that he would take his LSU official visit this weekend. And, you know, I, I think LSU has kind of always been the assumed place he was going to end up, even though the other side of that is South Carolina. Uh, I think gave him plenty to think about on his official visit to Columbia the weekend prior. And so I, I don't really know if anything has changed as far as that thinking goes. I talked to a friend of mine that covers LSU and uh, is kind of tied in with their staff. And the thought process there as of yesterday, sort of yesterday evening, was that LSU felt like the visit went well. You know, they still expect to land him and expect to potentially hear something here early this week. Now, that's pretty common if you go into a visit thinking you're in good shape, pretty common to, you know, feel that way coming out of it. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm ready to say he's a lock to LSU. I think Carolina still has a great story to sell. One thing LSU was trying to sell was, hey, man, we may have all these guys, but you can start here too. Like you can be the guy here too. There's a little bit of, I don't know, recruiting speak there if we want to you know you have coach speak recruiting speak <laughs> but um he, he hasn't publicly committed yet Mm-mm. so if you're south carolina that's at least one positive coming out of this weekend let's see if they've really given him something to think about or if it was only just enough to kind of give him another option but lsu is still you know potentially the pick and i think on top of what you said about LSU staff, of, of course, any program, especially if you have a depth chart that is less appealing than another program, if you stack up LSU's depth chart, South Carolina's depth chart at running back, I don't think it's even like a subjective statement to say that LSU, they, they, they just simply got more guys, right? And it's not like, it's, it's LSU. They're not out there recruiting five or six two-star running backs you know, to join the roster. They have a lot of guys, right? And so that's something that digs. He's like most transfers. Most transfers nowadays, they're going to look at, if they're leaving a place for a better opportunity um, in their minds, they're going to be looking at playing time, making sure they can get playing time, a place where they feel like they can maybe have more of a starring role, better development. And then also, quite frankly, they're, they're going to look at NIL opportunities, right? That's been much more of a driver in the transfer market than it has even in high school. I think a lot of kids, a lot of people, not kids, a lot of people have thought about, okay, how is this, how is NIL going to affect high school recruiting? It's been more important in the transfer market. And so both programs can offer both those things, I think, from what we've heard. So for LSU, what they've probably had to defeat more is the idea that South Carolina's playing time situation is better. It probably is. But if you're their staff, you're understandably going to try to temper that down, right? So you can say, hey, you know, if you look at what you did at Notre Dame, you come here, you play like that, 
you're going to play a lot or you're going to start. They also, I think, guys, are going to point to the fact that, yes, they've got six scholarship running backs, but if you go through and look at last season and even what they had in the spring, they had several guys out with injuries during the season, and I think that extended some of those recoveries into the spring. So they may say, hey, you're healthy. You walk right in. You're going to grab your spot, and these guys that are coming back, they're going to have a hard time catching up. And well, no, uh, you know, no guy of his caliber, I feel like, goes in thinking, "Oh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to win. This I can't spot. win that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you're recruiting a guy, you play off of that, I, I think. And you know, just the fact he is from Louisiana, was recruited by Brian Kelly originally to Notre Dame. I still, I've even with the positive vibes we got post OV to South Carolina. I've always thought it was going to be kind of difficult in the end for him to make that decision. That Again, I feel like we're dealing in percentages. Like I'm not saying he's definitely going to LSU because we just don't know yet, but I still think it would be somewhat of a surprise. Like if, if he tweeted out right now, I'm committing to South Carolina, then I would be like, wow, that that is a heck of a recruiting win not just because the player he is, but because of what you are having to overcome in order to land him. Well, and the Brian Kelly element certainly can't be overlooked because he certainly already won him over once as a high school recruit, so he knows what things are important to him, what things he needs to sell him on, not to mention the fact that he's from Louisiana and all that other stuff. So that definitely gives them an advantage, but, I mean, until he makes the official commitment, you just never know. Yeah, and I think if, let's say he had been recruited by Brian Kelly and he didn't sort of like the way things were once he got there, or Kelly wasn't who he thought he was, or the program was different as a player than it was as a recruit, I don't think he would even be giving Brian Kelly the time of day. So obviously it seems like he had a pretty good interaction, a pretty good experience at Notre Dame you know, prior to Kelly leaving. So um, you know, that, that's really an, another just again, feather in their cap as far as this recruitment goes. But, you know, we'll see. And if you're Carolina, I mean, they seem more than willing to wait and see what happens with Diggs. But I got to say, there is a time element here as well. You kind of want to know whether it's you or whether it's not you. You kind of want to know sooner rather than later so you can sort of figure out what is next at that position. And what would be next? Do we feel like South Carolina has some other irons in the fire here in the transfer market. I don't know. Do you have an answer for us? I don't. I mean, it's an open-ended question. Yeah, I I mean, I think I think you obviously want to see what happens with um, you know, Demi Karnbay and yep. you know, you circle back and maybe see what's happening there. He's obviously, I mean, those are those are the two main guys. Mm-hmm. we have heard at running back and you know past that I, I don't know what your options are i still don't think you want to go into this year putting that pressure on dj braswell you know I, I eventually think dj braswell as a freshman can probably help this team but i don't know if you want to put that on him and you know i, I think that also if you get into some trouble at wide receiver Maybe a bunch of guys get banged up. That's always possible. You always have that option of playing DK some more at receiver. If DK is like 
pretty much, hey, you're a running back and we've got to use you at running back only 100%, then that kind of potentially lessens the depth, the potential depth, I guess, at two positions in a world if you didn't go get a transfer guy who could help you at running back. Yeah, and I think if you – I agree with you that you, you circle back to, to Demi from NC State, see what happens there to be determined if that did happen, if you could go get him, right? And there – I mean, injuries notwithstanding the injury history, that guy has some traits that – I mean, he could be really good too, right? Um, and he would have – how many years would he have? Off the top of your head, I mean, he'd be Three. more. He'd, yeah, he'd be more than a one-year guy. Logan Diggs is thought of. He has more than one year, but from what I've heard, kind of circulating, he's kind of viewing this as his last year. That that can always change. I mean, Spencer Rattler was probably going to be a one and done at South Carolina, and obviously didn't play out that way. But that might be a little added value in Demi. I have a feeling if they don't score an impactful transfer. And I don't think they would bring in a transfer running back unless, guys, they feel like it is an impactful one. You're not... I mean, you, you do need another body in that room, but you are not at a scholarship point where you can just take somebody to, to fill in the room. I have a feeling they might be looking around the roster saying, all right, is there anybody else that we can move over here? And I don't think there's a lot of candidates. There's not a bunch of DK joiners sitting around. There's not, a, there's not another Jaheim Bell on the roster right now. But I think they, they might be looking in that direction. So we'll have to see how it plays out on the transfer market. All right, come back on the other side and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Come see us in person this Thursday. Gold line framing at 511 12th Street, West Columbia. Uh, give them a call, 803-739-1337. But as I said, we'll be broadcasting live from Gold Line Framing this Thursday. Going to have some giveaways, maybe a special guest or two. We're going to tell you about that a little bit later on this week, but maybe a special South Carolina football player uh, hanging out with us. Uh, You can come say what's up. You can come look at the canvases, the jerseys, the flags they have available for you at Gold Line Framing. Uh, They've been in business for over 20 years. They're open Tuesday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Again, we'll be there broadcasting live for the full three hours. That's 9 to noon. That's the Gamecock Central Takeover. That's Garnet Trust Hour. That's everything this Thursday. Again, Thursday, 9 a.m. to noon, Gold Line Framing, West Columbia, South Carolina. All right, we'll talk a little bit of softball to wrap up today's edition on the other side on 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. A few more minutes to go here. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. Gamecock softball was in action over the weekend. Out at the SEC Tournament. And... Went on a nice little run that I think surprised a lot of people. Believe they entered as the number 10 seed. Did make it all the way to the SEC championship game before falling to Tennessee 3-1 to on Saturday. But they've secured themselves a spot in the NCAA tournament. And they will head down to Tallahassee for that regional hosted by Florida State. Uh, they'll start by taking on Central Florida. That game coming up on, uh, I believe that is Friday at 7 o'clock and broadcast on ESPN 
the uh, other teams in the regional being, of course, Florida State as well as Marist. Yep, South Carolina opening up with UCF May 19th at 7 p.m., as you said, Tyler, ESPN2. So on the strength of that SEC tournament run, that that was fun to watch. Um, they uh, they definitely made a bigger-than-expected run and now earn their first uh, SEC NCAA tournament appearance since 2019. So Gamecocks back in the NCAA tournament, 23rd all-time bid and 8th under head coach Beverly Smith. So, um, and South Carolina guys, actually, some inconsistencies this season, of course, but they have taken down uh, 11 nationally ranked opponents so far this season. Now, that doesn't mean series, right? But in games. So, they've done some really good things this year. Uh, they obviously have kind of hit their stride here at the end of the year. Uh, listening to one of the broadcasts, one of the games, I think it was a semifinal game. You know, they had talked to Beverly Smith in their production meetings, Gamecocks head coach, and she was just talking about how, you know, this team was playing their best at the end of the year, and that's where you want to be, right? I mean, we talk about that in baseball all the time. It's not about who's who looks the best at the beginning of the season or the middle. It's about playing your best ball at the end. And so maybe this is a team that could uh, make a little bit of a run. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, Florida State, where uh, current Gamecock – Brooke Blankenship, shortstop, actually transferred from Florida State. They'll be down in their regional, and so obviously they got to get through UCF, and eventually it would come to Florida State if they could get there. But um, going to be a tough, tough go. But they've, they've done some good things here at the end of the year. Well, I think this is one of those things where playing, you know, it's cliched, but it's true. Playing in the SEC prepares you for this, and I, I think yeah, Florida State, they're going to be tough. You know, frankly, I don't know anything about FSU's team at this point, but I think if you're Carolina, you've faced talent just as good as Florida State throughout the year, and you've kind of been battle tested. And, you know, I think this team, like Chris said, they've been kind of trying to figure out who they are for much, much of the year and figure out their best structure to go win games. And someone in, uh, I thought it was very interesting um, them talking about. Uh, Donnie Goborn, who uh, dug out Donnie, as Dawn Staley has affectionately named her. And she was all SEC first team. So I, I went back and I was kind of doing, you know, some bio reading. Where did she come from? Was this like a star pickup? And I, I saw that, you know, she has had a good college career to this point, but she really has taken her game to another level here at South Carolina. And a lot of it was just adding an additional pitch. I, you know, they were talking about that on the broadcast in the championship game, how um, Beverly Smith and her staff have uh, basically helped her to learn this changeup and how that's taken her game to another level. So I, I think when you have a pitcher like Goborn and, um, you know, a couple of other pitchers who've done very, very well this year as well, and you can kind of, I, I guess, ride that to, uh, you know, to wins. We, we all know in softball, it's much different than baseball as far as you having to have, you know, eight pitchers in baseball that can go get it done. Softball, they they pitch on a nightly basis. Uh, you know, they pitch game to game, and they throw way, way, way more pitches. So if you, if you have somebody like that that your team sort of rallies around and can keep you in games, you can go a long way with that. And... So uh, she was all SEC first team for a reason. She was drafted for a reason. And, 
you know, I, I think Carolina probably goes into this weekend as confident as they have been in some time about their ability to push Florida State, um, you know, and, and possibly win that game on the road. And as always, you obviously have to win Friday for this to even be a conversation. But the key to these regionals and the way it's set up in softball and baseball is if you can start out 2-0, and you really put your opponent um, on their heels for the rest of that little four-game, basically mini-tournament. And if you're the two-seed coming in, especially, you almost have to pull off the upset the first time around and then force your opponent to, uh, to battle back through the loser's bracket. Before we get out of here, guys, I wanted to make sure that we also gave the due to another, their proper due to another Gamecocks team, men's tennis, guys. First, uh, they booked their ticket to their first NCAA quarterfinal appearance since 1989. So they are going to be heading down to Orlando for the Division One Men's Tennis Championships. I believe they'll be matched up against Texas, round one. And got this funny, I don't know if y'all saw this on social media, the bottom quadrant of the graphic, exact same as the college football playoff, the four teams <laughs> that are involved in NCAA men's tennis, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. So Gamecocks take on Texas to try to move on uh, there, and then Virginia and Kentucky, the other teams that are in the bracket there. So good job by that team. Congratulations to Gamecock men's tennis. Exciting time for all Gamecock athletics. Again, the softball team in action again on Friday night, taking on UCF, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. All three of us will be back tomorrow right here on 107.5 The Game.